Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to connect you with people and resources to remind you that you're not alone. In this episode, number 225, I am chatting with Janae Wilburn, answering your new mom questions. You can be 100% grateful for this child that God has given you and still be sad about the life you no longer live. And I think what we do instead is we either think we're supposed to be blissfully happy as moms and never show anything else. And if they don't appear that way, they think they're somehow failing. And I don't think that's true at all. I have had experienced just some of the greatest joys ever with motherhood. I have also had days where my husband has come home and I have the crazy face and I'm like, I'm out. But you have to recognize as a mom that what you're doing with your kids is super valuable, but it's okay to miss what you used to do. And I think when you acknowledge that, it helps you value what you're doing now more. Doesn't feel awesome to have someone give you a permission slip? Like it's okay to feel the grief and the joy intermingled? Well, that's what this new mom life is, right? Just a constant going back and forth between multiple emotions and the revealing of things in our heart. Well, Janae is super honest and real and has a couple young kids, so she gets where you're coming from. She and I are going to answer all of your questions, questions about that feeling like being a mom isn't enough. You're getting that message from other places that you should make marriage a priority. But what does that look like, really? And just how do you integrate your kids into your day so you don't get so overwhelmed by the tasks of life? I hope that it ministers to you. And really what's on my heart lately is I know when you get to this episode, you're going to be feeling something and I don't know what you're feeling. You're going to need something and I don't know what you need. But the God of the universe who made you, he sees you right now. And he can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, meet those needs through a person, through his word, through his gentle whisper. And I'm so thankful that it does not depend on me and this episode. So I'm praying for you to seek him for whatever emotion that's overwhelming you or that's dominating your day and for whatever need, whether it's encouragement or identification or whatever you're feeling that you need, that you can bring that to God. You know, thinking about how do we do all the things as a mom and how do we connect with our family intentionally? One thing that is really important in our family is family dinners, but I'll tell you, it is hard to plan ahead and have those dinners figured out, especially as the holidays are approaching and schedules are crazy. Well, prep dish to the rescue. I was even telling a friend about it this week because she was saying there was a stress on her marriage because she wasn't having the dinner plan all figured out. And it costs so much more, right? When we have to go out to dinner or we're doing this last minute solution. So every time we go to the grocery store, it's more money we're spending. So I told her to go to prepdish.com forward slash DMA and use the coupon code DMA. And then she would get two weeks for free to try it out. And what she would get is a grocery list and then how to prep all the food and then how to cook it the night of so that it was ready to go. And she wasn't having to figure out what's for dinner. It's also paleo and gluten-free options. And so you're feeding your family healthy, no guilt. And I know lately our family's been doing the whole pow cow wow instead of highlights and lowlights. So pow is a hard thing. A cow is a random thing. And a wow is a good thing. And just it's such an intentional time to be together, eat good food, and for me not to feel overwhelmed by the task. Go check it out. Prepdish.com forward slash DMA coupon code DMA. All right, let's get to my chat with Janae. Here we go. Hey, Janae, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank you so much, Heather. I'm so excited to be a part of it. This is oh, great. It's thrilling for me. I've, you've come highly recommended from my friends. And I'd love to get to know your family a little bit. Tell me about your people. Absolutely. Okay, so my people, we are the Willborn Four, as we like to say. <laughs> um, my husband is Maurice. We've been married for nine years. Um, we met here in Dallas, although neither of us are from Dallas, but we met at um, the church where we were both members at the time. I, in fact, was a member and a staff member at the time. So we met there and dated for about a year, got married, and um, started on that crazy road of marriage that's been awesome and horrible, all mixed up <laughs> in a wonderful mix that the way God <laughs> intended it. And then I have two kids. Um, my daughter, Faith, is five, started kindergarten this fall. First time going to school five days a week all day. So that's been an exciting transition for us. And then my son, Sean, is three. Well, he would say three and a half. (laughs) Of course, it does. Um, Exactly, right? And so 
this is his first year going to school. Um, so he's in school two days a week. So this is my first time in five years not having a child with me 24 seven. Yeah, I've had a baby or a toddler or a toddler and a baby with me for all day, every day for the last five years. So this is the first year I get two days a week where they go to school. It's a transition year for me as well, which has been kind of exciting and new. Very cool. And you spend some of your time speaking, right? I do. I do. So I was on staff at a church for about eight years. I kind of started in singles, migrated into just general adult ministries, women's ministries specifically for the most part, and teaching, speaking, and stepped out of that role in February of 2012, actually before I had kids. Um, we just decided, decided to revamp things in our family and life and ministry. And so now I speak usually women's events or sometimes young adult events. Um, they don't really call me for student events anymore, Heather. I don't know what they're trying to say. Maybe I'm getting older. It's rude. Um, the reading okay. glasses um, gave it away. I know. I know. I try not to wear them for that purpose. But <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I speak and it's great. It's been wonderful because I can do ministry, but still do it around still being wife and mom. So it's been awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on because I put a shout out for questions and people need help. People are desperate. I said, let's them hope to the you. Lord is ready to speak through me because <laughs> on my own, I got nothing for you. But through oh. Jesus, I might be able to give you some good stuff. Well, so. And you and I have both been there for some of these questions. So we at least have perspective and a little exactly. experience, whether we did it right or wrong. We are not claiming. But oh, yeah. Mainly wrong. Um, <laughs> a lot of wrong. A lot of wrong. Okay. So, um, a lot of the questions were about managing multiples and I've done yeah. an episode. Y'all can go back. I've done an episode for a mom of lots of little ones and I've done an episode on discipline and toddlers. And we kind of talked about the whole toddler and baby, but I would love to hear your thoughts and perspectives on this challenge of, okay, it was tricky with one and now yeah. I'm supposed to do two. What? <laughs> Um, my daughter was 20 months when my son was born. Um, so she was not yet to still in diapers. She has her mommy's genes. So I did have a very verbal, not yet two year old. She, she had a lot of words. Um, <laughs> but like I said, I didn't work out of the side of the home. So she was with me all the time. In fact, um, going into the hospital to have my son, that was the longest I'd been away from her mm. since she born was when I had my son, that the two of us had ever been away from her at, one, at the same time. Um, I think we'd done a one night, but never more than that. So three nights in the hospital, um, she was almost like just minorly traumatized. She's fine. It's okay. <laughs> there won't be any therapy over that one. But it was a big deal for her. She noticed yeah. that significant change. So coming home, having her, I'd gotten some great advice from women that had gone before me. I'd asked, as I think a lot of moms do when they were entering that, like, what do I do? How do I make this better? Because I think the hardest thing for me, and I know I've talked to moms having their second child, it is so hard to imagine that you can expand that love for another person. You have such overwhelming love for that first child. And you're like, how could I possibly have the same level of capacity for another one? Yeah. And that's where God is amazing because his love is limitless. And he puts this limitless love inside of us as parents. And I remember thinking like going into the hospital that morning, thinking, how am I possibly going to love this one the way I love her? And then boom, there it was. Mm. A whole other vat of endless love for baby number two and still had the same vat of endless love for child number one. So the first thing I want to just encourage moms that have two little ones is like, love them. Focus on loving them most. Two, your real job, especially while they're tiny, just keep them alive. I mean, if they're alive at the end of the day, you've done a great great task. I mean, and I say that jokingly, but I do say that seriously. Some days that was the only thing I could say to my husband was everyone is alive. They all got fed. They're clean. I'm not, but they're clean <laughs> and we've made it. But you know, some of the things that um, I was advised from my great friends was involve your little one that you already had with the new little one so that it feels like this is something we've entered to this new venture together. Um, I was really warned against making the baby like this, don't touch the baby, stay away from the baby, because then the baby becomes sort of a, a negative vibe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was really, I thought that was really great advice. And that was something I really took to heart and I practiced. So whether it's the right answer or not, like you said before, Heather, I mean, we just did what we did and figured it out. But I did things like I made a little changing, portable changing station. I got, you know, purchased one of those and kept it on the floor in the living room. So when it was time to 
change diapers, I would say, you know, Faith, go get a diaper for brother. And she'd run, get a diaper. And can you get mommy the wipes? And, you know, but getting her involved really helped. You know, Mm -hmm. I nursed and my children chose not to take bottles. (laughs) (laughs) Lucky. Oh, wait. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. It wasn't something mommy chose. No freedom there. Yes. Yes. And and for anyone that wants to just give me tips, we tried all the bottles. We bought the cool one from Japan. It didn't work either. Um, <laughs> none of the bottles that they take. My son. No. Everyone's like sending me emails now. Don't send the emails. We don't know. It's don't over. Need- it's done. Yeah, and it's over. It's fast. It happened. Um, but they didn't take bottles. So nursing was one of those things where I had to nurse him and still figure out how to include her. So when I would nurse, I would try to nurse on the couch where she could get next to me. Yes. So where I had him, I could snuggle her next to me. By the second kid, a lot of things, there are things that do come easier sometimes, depending on your situation. I was really fortunate to not struggle with nursing with either of my child. I know that's really hard. But what I did find was once I got really comfortable nursing him, and it was that came a lot faster with the second, I could nurse and like have her bring mommy a book. And we could read a book while I nursed. So yes. she, I was engaging with her. And, you know, I thought like, hey, it still perks for him because he's still getting to hear my voice, things like that. And then mine didn't nap at the same time, which seemed horrible (laughs) because mommy was so tired. But I did take advantage of the fact that if he was napping, that was so little time I could focus on her. And so I could just give her my time. And here's the thing I'm going to tell moms, like, that's not the time to do laundry and clean the bathroom. Who cares? Right. Unless she's doing it with you. Just again, bring her in. They can do a lot more than you realize. They can fold those little washcloths, especially those little baby size ones. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's all good stuff. But I just made that really focused time with her. And that was kind of what I did. But I did a lot of, I did give up a lot of my idea of what my house had to look like, Heather, Mm -hmm. what it meant to accomplish things in my day. Because that's the thing I think beats us up. We beat ourselves up on as moms. We think, especially for stay at home moms, but I think it's true for moms who work outside of the house as well. Like, we think we have to have gotten through this major list and there has to be some visual evidence that we got a lot done today. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot getting done when you're just engaging with your children, you know, because that's precious time. I mean, my kids are not going to grow up and be like, my mom kept a beautiful home. And that's <laughs> what really, I don't think they're going to care about that. I think my kid, my mom kept a beautiful home for the record. My mom was one of those moms who worked outside of the house. Our house was always spotless. And she took great care of us. But I don't really brag, except for right then, about my mom keeping a beautiful home. What I remember is my mom coming home after she taught kids all day from school and sat down with me and worked with me on my homework. Mm-hmm. You know, we engaged. And so that's what your kids are going to remember is that FaceTime, not the phone kind, but the real FaceTime. So, I mean, that's the thing I really encourage moms with multiples. Like, And also, it's going to get easier. Yeah. People told me that, that people gave me different time frames. I can tell people from my personal experience, and I'd love to hear yours, like six months. At six months is when I started feeling like, okay, yeah. I can get us all dressed and I can pack the bag appropriately and I can get us in the car and I can actually get to something only five minutes late, which felt like great success. Yeah. I feel like they can entertain themselves a little bit more at six months. They can sometimes, yeah. most often sit up. You can mm-hmm. put them in something and you feel kind of safe. And You've taught the older one not to poke them in the eye. So, <laughs> like, these are major milestones. Yeah, these are big <laughs> milestones for sure. And then, you know, as you'll see, when everybody's out of diapers and everybody's out of, you know, nap times and, and you're, you have a three-year-old. You said three-year-old. Yeah, so you're out so of all those things. Yeah. We're out of potty training. He still likes to nap and I'm, I'm for it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's a better person. Mommy's a better person. Everybody's happier. But he's he's working his way out. And I see even that coming to an end. And and you're right. Like it gets, it definitely gets easier as they get older. Even just my daughter getting potty trained Mm -hmm. and getting through that phase and knowing that she could take herself to the bathroom. Um, And even more when she could take herself to the bathroom and wipe herself because that's a different milestone. Yeah. Or they can buckle (laughs) themselves in into the car when everyone could buckle themselves and I could just get into my seat. That's a new stage. Heather, that's life giving. It is. Especially when it's 100 degrees out. Everyone just get in the car and we can buckle once we're driving in the air conditioning. Running from one side to the other. Mm -hmm. When you don't have to do that anymore, when you can actually just sit down like a cute young thing with your Starbucks in your hand and <laughs> pop it in the cup holder and just check the rearview mirror. Everybody buckled and everybody can say yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's glorious. That's, it's, it's a totally different place. And it happens, like everyone says, so fast. 
Yes. So fast. But it is good to recognize the challenges of these young years. Give ourselves freedom. Do you feel like, I don't know if it's just how many women will email me about things or what I see online. I feel sorry for the moms right now with little kids because of the Instagram and because Mm. of this messaging, like not only do you have to do all the things you just said, but we need to be presenting the gospel at two and Mm -hmm. like doing like theology cards. And I'm not kidding. (laughs) right? I'm not kidding. No, that there's this pressure to not only do all the hard physical things, um, but keep the house cute make the Halloween costumes. I, that was like my mom's stage back in the day. She would make yeah. the pasta yeah. and she made my costumes. But I feel feel like it's a throwback again to yeah. make it I mean, I'm definitely, I'm raising my kids in this Instagram age and I have, and this is something I definitely recommend often. I talk to mops groups a lot, um, mothers of preschoolers a lot. And anytime I talk to moms at some point, especially if it's a new group I've never talked to, I talk about taking a break from social media. Mm-hmm. If it's stealing all of your like wind and joy and peace as a mom, because there is this crazy pressure to look fabulous, have your home look perfect, craft with the skill of Martha Stewart, <laughs> cook with the expertise of Joanna Gaines, also decorate like she does. Right. And have babies in your 40s. I won't talk about it. I won't talk about that. Yeah. And like be super skinny. I'm Mm -hmm. back in my skinny jeans. I'm rocking my high heels. My hair is fabulous because I just stepped out of dry bar. My makeup is flawless. Look how cute my babies are. My kids, all, all their clothes match and we're perfect. And, you know, everyone doesn't look like that every day. That's not reality. And it can eat away at your self-esteem as a mom. I think there's a very specific mom self-esteem. Yeah. I think that was something that I didn't know I was going to have until I became a mom. I never worried about being a bad mom when I was pregnant, when I was expecting, when I was praying for children. At no point did I worry like, oh, please, God, don't let me be a bad mom. That never came out of my mouth. But then you have a kid and you look at all those outside factors and those visuals and you do feel a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you you have to just embrace real life and stop trying to look like anyone's image. Stop looking at the images. If it sucks your wind, if you get on Instagram and by the time you're done with it, you feel worse than better, you should just delete it from your phone. Mm -hmm. I like to say for at least a month and then maybe permanently, depending on how, how hard it is on your soul. Because first of all, it's not required. I don't think people realize that you don't actually have to be on social media. (laughs) (laughs) not a requirement of life. I know many people who are not on it at all and live a very happy, fulfilled life and still manage to stay in contact with people using archaic things like email and texting. Um, You don't have to do it. But if every time you get on it, it makes you feel bad about your mothering. And you're so right. The theology thing, Heather, I went to seminary. Like (laughs) I have a master's in Christian education. And I still look at some of the things and go, holy mackerel, am I supposed to be doing all that? Like, Mm -hmm. okay, Mm -hmm. there's like a special tree I'm supposed to create at Christmas. And there's a this and I got to do that and I got to do the other. And you know what? The biggest way you're going to teach your kids about Jesus is how you live. That's the real of it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I do have, I mean, we've done Advent cards and we have sweet little books that we've picked up, you know, Christian books. And I do read those to my kids and we do all that. And we take our kids to church, all these wonderful things. But ultimately I realize more than anything that my kids watch how I live. They watch how I talk to my husband. They watch how I talk to them. They watch how I treat people in stores. They listen when I'm on the phone. Hello. Um, They tune into just how we function. They see how I handle hard days. They see how I handle good days. They see when mommy gets frustrated and loses her cool. And then they see, does mommy apologize after she does that? Or does mommy just stay angry all night? That's how they're learning who I am in Christ. That's where their real theology is going to be implanted in their heart by what they see me do every single day by what they see their father do. Um, so mamas, can I just free you up? If you don't buy, you don't have to do an advent calendar. <laughs> you don't have to do the tree. I forget what the tree is. Jesse. Uh, is it? Jesse. I always want to say Joshua tree, but I know that's you too. <laughs> the Jesse tree. You don't have to. I've never done the Jesse tree and I'm going to probably, I'm probably not going to do it and I'm okay with it. Well, that's no, that's like having the mom esteem. This is what I think. The mom self-esteem to know what's for you and what's not. Don't you feel like with age and time, you kind of, instead of feeling all the shoulds of 
your peers, you start saying, you know what? I think that's awesome for y'all. That is not part of my identity of how I'm wired and what feeds my soul. And so go in peace. And I love that y'all want to do that, but I am good not. And you know what else, Heather? I say like, if you see someone doing something that looks it looks exciting or it looks really interesting or you think, oh man, that's really cool. But you know that it's not in your skill set. How can you take it and like use the concept, but apply it with your skill set? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm not a crafter, but I mean, clearly I'm good at telling stories and speaking. That's kind of what I do. So I've looked at some things and been like, how can I just tell my kids the story? Right. Like how can I turn into a fun, like story time? And my kids like stories. I'm a, I've been reading to them since birth. They'll sit down and just let me tell them a story. And then I'm like, uh, now they're getting older. So I say, hey, what do you think should happen next in the story? Or how do you think that went? Or we engage and we interact. And now they want to tell the story. Or hey, let's act it out. Wouldn't that be fun? And I'm not going to make costumes because I don't sew. But we can just go dig in the costume box or mommy's closet. And, you know, oh, look, this scarf is now your head wrap. There we go. Make it work. You know, find how you can take a cool concept, a cool idea, And like you said, make it fit with who you are as a mom. And then if your friend is doing something so awesome and you so wish you could do it, ask her if she wants to make two. (laughs) You want to do mine? Yes. Yeah. I had my my mom friends over. They just cleaned out my pantry because that's what they do. They're very organized. They cleaned out my pantry. I'm not wanting to do that. But I think all this fits under a lot of the questions we got about mom guilt. Yes. Like trying to do it all, feeling... Like being a stay-at-home mom is not enough because you left the ministry and you chose to stay home. There are a lot of moms that they leave a corporate job or some other job and they're staying home and they're getting these messages from outside that that's not enough. They need to also do like a non-for-profit or they need to have a podcast like Heather or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. You know, I got married when I was 35, Heather. So I had Mm. been working full time since I graduated from college in 21. Um, I was six years before I went back to school to go to seminary to grad school. Um, And I worked full time while I went to grad school. So I, you know, worked all that time. I didn't have faith till I was 39. Mm. So um, when I stepped out of the ministry, when I stepped out of being, and I didn't step out, you know, I say step out of ministry. What I did was step out of working for someone else. Mm -hmm. That's, yes, I'm sorry I said that, stepped out of ministry. Oh, no, and I I say it sometimes too, and then I'm like, nope, I didn't stop doing (laughs) ministry. I just changed how I did it. Yes. Um, And it didn't matter, you know, I I didn't become a Christian until I was 25. So my first jobs were had absolutely nothing to do with ministry because I was running from the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went into ministry, I was I went to seminary at 28. I went into full-time ministry on staff at 30, 31 years old. And then I did that for those years. But when I stepped out of that job, a big reason I stepped out of that job was because I wanted to figure out how to make my family that I was making with this man that I loved and God had brought into my life the priority. When I worked in my corporate job, um, when I worked for the church, in both cases, I was all in. And so I didn't know how to dial that back and focus on being a wife mm. at all. And I realized after the first, we, we struggled in our marriage initially. We did all the things the right way, getting married. You know, I follow, like I say, all the good Christian rules. And I mean, it was just a hot mess of <laughs> two very grown people trying to figure out how to still be two different people in the same house, because that's what we were trying to do (laughs) versus figuring out how to actually change and be two people working together, trying to become a unit in the same house. And a big part of that I realized was my fault because I was just trying to make him fit in around the job and the work that I've been doing. I made more of an excuse for my own behavior because, I mean, Heather, I worked for Jesus. Hello, I worked for the church. So I was doing God's work. So clearly that was the priority. You know, and God convicted my heart that, "Mm, no, your priority now is this man, this husband that I've given you. This is supposed to be your primary earthly relationship and you're not giving it the focus. So I stepped out of work before I had a child, which does, I think, make the transition different and easier. But I do think there's similarities of you have to recognize that the work of making your marriage strong is vitally important. There's not a more important relationship you're going to have on this earth as a person if you're married than the relationship you have with your spouse. It is more important than the relationship with your children even, which people sometimes get uncomfortable with, but that's biblical. So get mad at God, not me. Uh, (laughs) 
but that was key for me. Building your life around this marriage, that takes work and that work is important. And then raising your children is important. And whether you raise your children by working outside of the home or working inside of the home, it requires focus. We all know it requires a ton of energy. It requires a lot of thought because you want to be a thoughtful parent. You don't want to just live in a state of constantly reacting. You want to respond with thought out responses, um, whether it's verbal or your emotional response or even just your actions of what you do. And so I really think when I hear mom say, look, well, now I stay home and I'm not doing enough. Some of that comes from most of us have worked in a job outside of our house and it's a new identity. Mm -hmm. You have to recognize that you're moving into a new, a new identity. My husband and I have been having this ongoing conversation for probably a couple of years now about grief yeah. and the concept that we don't allow or even tell people that it's okay to grieve more than just the loss of a person. Mm-hmm. You know, we look back at our marriage and we realize part of why we struggled in our early years is we didn't allow ourselves to grieve our single life. Mm. that we had to grieve. Like the people we were as single people, we couldn't be those same people anymore. We couldn't live life the same way. I couldn't just work till seven o'clock, drive through Taco Bueno, get my beef nacho salad and large (laughs) Coke, drive home, put on my not cute sweatpants, plop in front of the TV and, you know, binge watch the office and not talk to anybody because I was done talking to people for the day and happy about it. I couldn't do that anymore. I had to learn how to come home. And, you know, my husband doesn't actually like taco bueno that much, which is ridiculous. So he's not okay with that as a meal. I couldn't work till seven every night anymore because he actually wanted to see me sometimes. And I had to, you know, talk to him and stuff at the end of the day, which was so beyond what I expected marriage to be about. But I had to figure that out. I had to grieve that life that I no longer had. The same thing is true of motherhood. You have to grieve your life that you had before you were a mother. And it's okay. You can be 100% grateful for this child that God has given you and still be sad about the life you no longer live. And I think what we do instead is we either think we're supposed to be blissfully happy as moms and never show anything else. And if they don't appear that way, they think they're somehow failing. Mm -hmm. Somehow they're being ungrateful for the child that they have. And I don't think that's true at all. I have had experienced just some of the greatest joys ever with motherhood. I mean, there is just some precious moments where you just kind of want to pause time and say, like, how do I get to do this, this awesome thing? I have also had days where my husband has come home and I have the crazy face and I'm like, may they bless you. I'm out. But you have to really, you have to recognize as a mom that what you're doing with your kids is super valuable, but it's okay to miss what you used to do. And I think when you acknowledge that, it helps you value what you're doing now more. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband and I talk all the time about we have intentionally chosen this lifestyle. We have made the sacrifices that have come with me not working outside of the home. You know, for you as the mom, there's a little bit of the sacrifice of your adult sanity, I'm going to call it. Yeah. You know, not talking to grownups all day can turn you into a very different person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But really, there's a lot you sacrifice that is beyond the financial to to stay at home with your kids. But there's so much that you're getting out of that. And you made that choice because you wanted to be able to pour into your kids Mm -hmm. and pouring in your to your kids. It's not anyone's agenda, but yours and your husband's. If you're married, if you're a single mom, it's yours and the Lord. It's either you and your husband and the Lord or you as a single mom and the Lord. And what you guys have prayed through and talked to together about what you want to do for your kids and the everyday. And then recognize that this is a time in your life that will end. What you're doing in your kid's life, not only will the whole time that your kids are in your house end, because they have to move out, like they have to, <laughs> they have to move out at some point, but they will be gone and you what you're getting to do with them right now is precious. And each year, this is the thing I'm, I'm really learning as my kids grow. My daughter's five. So I've now gone through five complete years with her. And every year is completely different, Heather. Mm-hmm. What we did, how we engaged, what I got to watch her discover and learn, um, even what frustrated me or was hard has been different from year to year to year. And the craziest thing to me is that as we move from year to year to year, I miss the years before. I recognize that things are different. And even as I'm enjoying the year I'm in, I realize, man, that's over. 
will never be in that season again. And gosh, I really enjoy it. And I kind of miss it. And because there are things, it's, it's precious time. So I really, my encouragement to moms who feel I'm staying at home and that's not really, I'm not really doing anything. Honey, you are doing so much, yeah. so much. Even if your whole day was just feeding them, changing them, singing some songs, playing imaginary, whatever, whatever it is, like there's so much value in that. And it's something that it can't always be quantified, but it will pay off in the long run with your children. So, so true. When I have my boys now, all, all of mine leave the house every morning. So I'm in a whole new season. This is the first time in 13 years that that's happened. Wow. And I would say I don't regret those years when they were little and all the memories that I made. I'm an extrovert, so my love language was to take them on little outings to the zoo and the arboretum and all the places and teach along the way. Like that's what fed my soul. Yes. And for some of my mom friends, that was stressful and they would see me do that and they would feel guilty that they weren't doing it. But I don't regret it because the bonds I made then are helping when the relationship gets strained now as they're outside the home a lot more than they're in the home and they're the input of others and the, yes. the identity issues they're working through. It's just really nice to have something to pull from, even though I had I did work part time some of the time. And even though, you know, I'm not saying that if you work outside the home, you're missing that. I just think those little years do matter in ways I don't think we'll ever comprehend. But we are going to both acknowledge that it is hard. And so many of you sent in questions oh, yeah. about how do we make the marriage a priority? I know you you kind of talked about that a little bit, Janae, about how it is important and now it should be a priority but what are the practical tips on making it a priority in those little years I remember being just like physically spent that I did not want him to touch me and I'm a, <laughs> I'm like a that's one of my love languages physical touch but it just felt like especially if you're nursing or your body's still recovering from a baby like get away from me and yes <laughs> I completely hear you. <laughs> yes. And just the grace for that, that, you know, in biblical times, there was a red tent. I'm just saying. Th this is so true. <laughs> there was a tent. And Where there were multiple tent? wives and you could just send another one in. But there you go. Um, I've shared over the course of the podcast different ways we have connected throughout the little years. But what are some things that have worked for you guys? Like I said, we started, our marriage started off hard. And I mean, hard. Like at the end of our first year, I looked at my husband or right before our first anniversary, I looked at my husband and said, either we need to go to counseling and figure something out or I'm going to move down the hall and wait for one of us to die. Um, that was a little, that was a real non-joking conversation that we had. Um, and he's okay with me sharing that because I've shared it many times and we, we want to minister to others through our struggle. But because we walked through such a difficult first year, and I like to say year one was awful. Year two was slightly less awful because counseling was a part of it. But counseling's hard, too, and so good for you, but so hard. And then we struggled to have our child. We had two miscarriages before we had faith mm. and an infertility diagnosis. So we walked through a lot of stuff before we actually finally got the baby in the house. And so for us, our dynamic was a little bit different. It felt like having faith felt like the reward. Truly the biblical word, you know, where God tells, says in Psalm 127, like children are a gift from God, they are a reward from him. She was that for us because it felt like this is our prize for getting through all those horrible years. <laughs> we get this precious baby. But even with that, even with us, I did not, you know, I was so blessed and fortunate. I didn't struggle with postpartum. I have dear friends that did and I walked that road with them and I know how hard that can be and how that can impact a marriage. Yeah. So I don't want to speak incentively, but if you don't have all those other factors kicking in, if it's just you and the regular exhaustion, that is a new level of exhaustion that comes with motherhood and then not wanting to be touched. And I'm like you, I laugh because physical touch is my love language. And I also, you know, remember saying like, I would like for no one to touch me today. That's mm -hmm. what I would like. Mm -hmm. A few hours mm -hmm. for no one is touching me. But something that I, had, that I had learned in the hard season of life that my husband and I experienced because when our marriage was really awful and we, you know, just didn't even want to be in the same space and we walked through counseling, one of the very first things our Christian counselor told us to do was that we had to start having sex more often, which we were like, <laughs> okay, crazy. Are we paying this guy? This is nuts. Yeah. Um, but I, because I walked through that in that season, what I did know was that 
sexual intimacy with my husband changed how we connected. It was something that was necessary for him to open up emotionally for me. And I wanted the emotional opening. So I had to give him that physical that he needed. What's been beautiful is in marriage, after nine years of marriage, which isn't that long, but um, but what I do really believe and have seen in our marriage is it starts this beautiful circle when I can make him a priority, he makes me a priority, and we just care about each other better. So if I can give him the physical, he gives me the emotional, which makes me enjoy the physical more, which makes him enjoy the emotional more, and it all gets good. And, you know, I've told people this and I'm like happy to say it. We've had the best sex of our lives after our children, not before. Um, I know that's not the norm, but I totally believe that's from God. But a lot of it has been being focused. So practical tools. Let's talk real life. Dating is important. And I say that with a big asterisk of I understand how expensive it is to try to fit date nights into your life with children because the babysitter money like is all your dating budget sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're like, so I know when I say date, there's women who are like, Janae, I can't afford that. I can't make that happen. Okay. So I'm going to be real with you. We do not have, we don't even have a dating budget. Like we just, it's so not an option for us financially to pay for babysitters in big amounts and all that kind of stuff. We have been very blessed that I do have a sister that lives in town who doesn't have kids. So she does watch our kids and because she's an aunt, she doesn't charge me. Um, and that's delightful. So we begin to quickly figure out what works. I'm a huge fan of daytime dating, especially when you have young children. Breakfast, lunch. Here's the thing I find. Friends or family are more willing to watch your kids during the day than in the evening. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. usually their schedule's a little more open. Even another mom who stays home, work out a trade, a deal. Hey, if it's an option for you and your husband to meet for lunch or maybe go to lunch or breakfast on a Saturday morning, can we drop our little one off at your house for a a play date on a Saturday morning? And then you can drop yours off at our house the next Saturday morning. And we both get a date out of it this month. But day dates are great because you're fresh, you're rested, as rested as you're going to be, but way more rested than you are in the evening. Restaurants are not as crazy and loud. You can have better conversation. If you want to go to a movie, it's cheaper. (laughs) So that's a perk. Um, there's just so much fun things. We fell in love with the day date concept right after Faith was born. And it's something that we continue to do. Um, I'm also a really big fan of a stay at home date. And we do this as well, where we say ahead of time, hey, tonight, let's hang out. This is going to be a date at the house. When we get the little person or people asleep, let's meet on the couch and let's X, Y, Z. Maybe we're going to play a game. Maybe we're going to watch a show that we both really want to watch. Um, I know some people say like, oh, you shouldn't watch shows because you should talk. <laughs> hey, sometimes you don't want to talk. Nobody wants to talk. Sometimes. It's the shared experience. <laughs> We're working our way through Parks and Recs right now. And it's just laughing together and like then referencing it later and other things. That, I mean, it's something that exactly. you've experienced together and yes. it is brainless and, you know, our tendency is to work too much. So to stop our work and to choose that is is actually a sacrifice. <laughs> It's awesome. But you're right. It's shared experience. It's time together. I do not recommend, and I don't know, I hope I'm not contradicting something you say, Heather, but I do not recommend using your date night for deep relational talk. No. Because that ruins your date night. I'll have people say that, like, on date night, I really want to talk about this. I'm like, no, why are you talking? No, no. No. I mean, I think men do not like the face-to-face for that anyway. Like, we've just found, I mean, our marriage has gone straight up to awesome with the fact that we have older boys that we can leave home. <laughs> so we can take walks on Saturday mornings. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that is, we might get into deep conversations on those walks, but it is, he is so much more willing to have those deep conversations than at a date. And I don't like crying in public. I no. mean, I've done that way too many times, too many yes. times where we bring up something deep and then I'm crying. No, date night is for funny stories. It's for jokes. It's for non-children related conversations, Mm -hmm. non-deep marital conversations. So Mm -hmm. I'm for a movie. Go to one of those awesome movie theaters where you get to eat and watch a movie at the same time because you can get there 30 minutes early and have the whole meal in one place. I don't have to change locations. I'm, I mean, for me, that just works. It helps with timeline, especially for nursing. I think that's why we started that because we only had so much time. But, you know, that kind of stuff is really important. I also recommend... 
I have a husband who, when we first got married, this was one of our struggles was when he's at work, he's at work and mm-hmm. he's not the yeah, idea of like me calling him at work or texting at work. It's like, what, what are we doing? Yes. <laughs> I might get a minute. I might get a minute phone maybe, call. Yeah, maybe. maybe. So one of the things that this is something we've recently done more of is just sending a text or a video to each other during the day that he can get to when it's convenient for him. Mm-hmm. And it's just for fun. It's just flirty goodness. Again, I'm not trying to deeply communicate. I'm just trying to connect for a minute. Right. But it's just a way it was something that I needed from him because, you know, it's one thing that I said, like, I just need to feel like during the day you're thinking about me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is one of those weird girly. I Because he's like, do you really think I don't like care about you during the day? And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, no, not when you ask it like that. Yes. Because that makes me sound stupid in 16. Right. But yeah, I do. Sometimes I do. I'm 44, but in my head, sometimes I still go there. So it's really just finding ways to do that. Writing a note sometimes, um, like a physical note, dropping in his laptop bag or whatever he takes to work. But just finding those ways to connect, like get back to the fun you had when you dated. That's the whole point of a date night. Yes. When I when I talk to new moms, there's this thing our church does for new moms, and I'll go and I'll say, okay. What did you and your husband like to do before kids? How did you connect and how can you find a way to make that happen now? Did you used to talk about really high level conversations and topics and now you're feeling like all you're doing is baby stuff and so your brain doesn't have it? Well, maybe read a book that you're both reading, get two copies or do the library thing and buy one, but you know, whatever, like have your own little mini book club. And then you're all on the same page and having these deep conversations. Maybe it is movies. Maybe it is whatever it is that y'all found a connection point before kids or why you even got married. Figure out a way to put that in to your life. And I think someone told my husband to text me randomly sometimes during the day because he started Mm -hmm. a few years ago. And it does make a difference. Like he'll randomly Mm -hmm. say, love you, sweets. Or he asked me after I spoke today, how'd it go? I mean, he didn't used to do that. Somebody told him. I don't know. I don't know who it was, but he told my husband too. And praise God for it him. It is very, maybe you could even just mention it to, if you're listening and you're like, I would like my husband to do that. Just mention it. You yeah. know, what it would really mean a lot to me. Sometimes we have to communicate what yes. our needs are. Like it would mean so much if you would randomly text me yeah. something. You know, Heather, you saying that is also a big one for me. Like I had to figure out how to tell my husband my needs more Yeah. Um, because I think I felt like I couldn't and just even telling him what I was experiencing because I was experiencing so many new emotions and feelings as a mom at home, mm-hmm. um, telling him that I felt like I had to scramble and look like I had gotten something accomplished before <laughs> he came home. Yeah. Like I just confessed that to him one day. I was like, I feel like I have to, if there was laundry in the basket, I have to hurry up and get it folded and put away before you come home. And he looked at me with this sort of confused face and was like, why? What have I done to make you think that? I was like, you've done nothing. Like it's all in here. It's all in the crazy brain that is my own, but just letting him know that or letting him know, Hey, I actually like used to do a job where a boss used to get to tell me, Hey, great job on this project. And I don't do that anymore. So if you could every now and then come home and say, babe, the bathrooms look awesome. I saw you cleaning them today. That would be great. And I was like, I realize that cleaning the bathroom is not something that's super deep and amazing, but it's my work now. Like getting the bathroom clean is a part of my day. I'm listening to your two needs and your two needs are like, don't notice what I didn't do. Yes. <laughs> notice what, notice I did. what I did. Exactly. And it's all about achievement. So you're probably a three exactly. on the Enneagram. I don't know. Oh, I still haven't done it. I'm just, I just thinking you might sure be. If I need to know, but yeah. <laughs> if you're, I mean, cause the value comes from like, what did we get done? And so then I need you to notice yeah. what I did and not what I didn't. Cause I'm already feeling shame and guilt for the not. I see it. Exactly. And then the other thing I had to communicate to my husband, when I had my second, when I had two and I realized I no longer had that window of her napping or um, my sister would come and take my daughter or I had another friend who was a great friend from church who would take my daughter. And then I had a second child and they would still come get her, but I still had a baby at home and I realized, oh, I don't have free time. I don't have any time anymore. That's just me. Mm -hmm. And that little, those little hours in the week that I would get were gone. And I had to finally say to my husband, hey, baby, I need one night a week in the middle of the week. I need to go away. Mm-hmm. And I, I always tell people, like, I have the most amazing husband, but I don't want to paint a false picture. He did not immediately say that is the best idea ever. <laughs> I want you to leave and leave me with an infant and an almost two year old. But what he 
he, you know, his first response was, can we do that on Saturday? And I said, no, because Saturday you're here. And I already, that already gives me a break. Just Mm -hmm. when we're a team, it's different. And we talked about it. And really in that same conversation, we figured out, okay, Wednesday nights, he was going to come home. I would have dinner ready. We'd eat. He'd try to make sure he was home on that night a little bit earlier. It wasn't that he'd work late. And then I would leave either after dinner or sometimes I would have dinner for them and I would leave. And I would go do what I needed to do, but it was just giving me a break. And maybe you need to express to your husband that you need a break and figure out how you guys can manage that. Because what I found is when I got the break, I was a better person, which made me a better wife. And then I was nicer to him. I was kinder to him. I was more loving. I was more affectionate. I was actually more interested in some physical contact because I had a few hours where nobody touched me. So I was ready for, you know, the good touching with the husband again. Like, but you got to figure out what your need is and you have to express it. They cannot read your mind. And I think a lot of times the distance that happens between husbands and wives, especially with children, is we tell them what the kids need. We tell them what we need in regards to the kids, but we don't actually tell them what we need and they don't know. So true. And I think, you know, some gals ask questions about patience and I think it all goes into that. If we're not getting those needs met and we're not getting rest and we're not getting breaks and not getting the adult conversation, I know that my patience goes thinner and thinner and thinner. And I've done tons of episodes, y'all, on anger management (laughs) because I'm personal. It's personal. And I'm selfish and I interview guests on it. So um, you can definitely Google don'tmomalone.com and Google anger. And you will find lots of episodes on that because unfortunately, our time is up. Janae, we could talk for days on these topics. We could. could. There's so much good stuff. But thank you so much. Thank you so much for letting me even have the opportunity to share. I love getting to help other moms just be great moms out there and feel good about their momming, as I like to say. Because you're doing awesome, mamas. That's the thing I I tell moms all the time. We're doing awesome. We really are. And it's hard for them to believe. I would hear it and I'd be like, sure, but you don't really see. You don't really see how I just treated my kids. So Even though you've yelled this morning, even though the dishes in the sink are dirty, even though you've washed the same little laundry three times because you keep forgetting to move it to the dryer, even though you haven't taken a shower yet today, you're doing awesome. Mm-hmm. You care. You're listening to the show. So exactly. check mark. You care. Exactly. Uh, I remember my husband saying, does any mom believe she's a good mom? Like, does anyone out there? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. Where do people find you online? Um, so you can find me online at JanaeMcDonaldWillborn.com. I'll link people there. All right. Well, thank you for sharing with us your story and giving this mom an encouragement today. I really appreciate it. So my hope is that you aren't leaving that conversation overwhelmed or feeling guilt or shame. I'd love for you to think about one thing, one thing that you're going to implement. And maybe if you don't have that one thing, or maybe you could say, what's one thing I'm thankful that I'm doing already? I I am nailing that. Or maybe it's something you want to pray about that you have the motivation to do. Maybe it's, you know, talking about the time with your husband, like that is something you're just not feeling and you want God to change your heart and that. Um, My prayer is that you don't feel that overwhelmed, which is fear, but that you feel empowered and encouraged. And, you know, you're learning from some uh, women who've gone before. This morning, I spent time with my mentor, Leslie, and we recorded a conversation and answered not alone community members questions. And it's always good for me to remember and have perspective from someone whose kids are grown. Like, she talked about my kids as being little. Oh, they're so little. And I feel like they're so big. And how much... Like, oh, are they growing in their faith? And she encouraged me. And she echoed what Janae said about loving your spouse and speaking about them well in front of your kids. And so I hope that more than anything, you are mentored and um, encouraged. I want to let you know upcoming episodes. Next week's episode is with Tommy Nelson and speaking about marriage. And especially if your husband is not a believer, we get into that a little bit. But Tommy's sharing his personal struggle with depression and how to support a spouse who's going through that. Uh, I think you're going to find that really helpful. And then the week after that is a millennial I interviewed, KJ, who is amazing and just encourages us in our own personal revival, which is what Janae was talking about, how it's our faith and our pursuing God and that our children watch us. And so the spend less energy worrying about whether our husband is saved or our kids are saved or what what they're doing with God, but to allow that to just ooze out over those around us. 
And, you know, if you are looking for community, I don't want you to feel alone. That's my big thing because I know those seasons of isolation. I've done that myself. And so I have a couple of different options. If you go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash join, you can see the two options outlined there. One is like a book club. It's called the DMA Podcast Club. And I pretty much leave it up to you. You guys pick your people when you want to meet. I give the curriculum. You listen to the podcast on your own and you discuss it. And I provide the discussion questions. And then there's the Not Alone community, which is why I filmed that mentor chat today. Because so many of you have said you struggle with finding a mentor. And I thought, why don't I bring my mentors in? And then y'all can ask questions of them and me. And we can just hang out. So we hung out on Crowdcast today, which is like a thing you can do on the interwebs, uh, and just filmed a little video that'll be available next month up on the Not Alone community and answered questions about our kids' faith and oh, all the things. So if you want to check that out, go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash join. There's also a growth guide that I created each month. If you are feeling like God's changing you through this podcast, but you kind of want to narrow in and see more change in a specific area, I have found old podcast episodes and kind of arranged them into a growth guide to help you see that change in the area of overwhelm and in the area of shame. And then next month, we'll have another focused topic. But my hope there is to just guide you into listening to God and, you know, bringing that shame in particular into the light so that he can tell you who you are and what your identity is. We hear that talked about a lot, but what does that mean? So go check that out. And then we have some little groups that are starting up where people are kind of chatting about being a parent of boys and girls and kids with special needs and all the things. So join us there if you'd like. Thank you for sharing with your friends on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can find me at Don't Mom Alone and y'all have a great week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's also where you'll find the show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, he said when he left, he was gonna leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that is super power. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present and with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes